welcome to episode 86 of the IACast. My name is Michael Doeys, and I'm here with Aliyah Dudley. Hello. And Jason Earls. Hello. Last week, we talked about, you know, the conventions, and those are coming up, so that's really exciting. I cannot wait to go to Florida and meet everybody and to get our name out there and promote iAccessibility. But until then, we have a great episode for you guys today. And so let's start off with our news for this week. The Supreme Court has overturned a decision they made in the 90s where they said that the internet, uh, selling items on the internet did not follow the same laws as if you had a significant uh, value, uh, what I believe that's what it's called, significant uh, interest in a state. And so companies didn't have to pay state income taxes. Now, you know, companies like Amazon and Google and Walmart, they have significant interest in states. So they're going to have to pay or, or you know, have to have income tax or sales tax, I should say, uh, for items bought online. We are going to see prices go up online for a lot of big websites, but I think this won't affect as many small businesses because they won't have that as much of a, you know, interest in in each state. So what are y'all's thoughts on this? I think this is kind of big news. We already see some tax collected on certain items on Amazon or in other places. It's definitely big news and kind of changes one of the things about how the internet's been run for ever. And that's what I was going to say as well. You know, some items are already taxed on Amazon and other retailers. But an article I was reading was talking about the companies like Amazon as well as some other folks are saying that what needs to happen now is Congress needs to get involved and needs to put in some regulations federally as opposed to letting the states manage the taxes because it would make it a lot easier for bigger companies to deal with as opposed to doing it on a state-by-state basis. I think that the reason why this is a big deal is because we are going to have to pay more. And it also will be a burden for a lot of businesses who use smaller systems that don't calculate sales tax. So I think this is going to be a huge issue for the folks that want to start a business but have issues making that happen. Plus, then you have to pay the taxes and all that fun stuff. So it's not easy. Now, what we might start seeing in the future is... Shopify and other systems that'll handle that for us. And that would be a great thing. This is kind of the big news for the week. Uh, there's been, uh, I did see an interesting article that we didn't talk about before this, that uh, TSMC, the iPhone processor manufacturer, is going to start making chips on uh, five nanometer boards. And that will be Apple's processor. So Intel is having issues in this area. And I think they're still at seven and now TSMC is going down to 5 nanometer, which is crazy. I saw that too, but I also heard that a rumor saying that the next year's iPhones may still sport 7 nanometer chips. So it's going to be interesting to see. Well, I heard that it would be 2020 when we start seeing these hit our iPhones. Okay, because I remember seeing one saying that the next iPhone should have it. And then I saw the one I mentioned earlier, so... Yeah, I, I saw 2020 on the podcast that I was listening to where they talked about that. I can't even, like, really comprehend just how small that actually is. And if you think about it, like, 
if they put the power that they put on those small chips into a processor that's the size of what we're used to, that's that would be such a powerful chip. It would be crazy. Yeah, it uh, certainly would. I mean, I think we're at an interesting time with technology because on the consumer end, I understand that you know CPUs and RAM and storage SSD speeds are getting faster with each iteration that comes out, you know, for the for the product lines. But it felt like several years ago in not even um, it it just it felt like you really needed the extra speed that came with these newer chips and I feel like as far as consumers are concerned it seems to be less and less true now if you're not a diehard tech fan. That is our basic news section for this week. I know it was short, but, you know, interesting stuff. So we want to go ahead and take our break and talk about one of the products that we offer and that kind of goes hand in hand with what our topic is this week, and that is our app and web development services. iAccessibility has offered services for folks that want to have an app or a website for quite some time. And you can have a website for an affordable price or an app to go along with that website. So you can head to iAccessibility.net and look at our services. And we have competitive pricing for our app and website development. So we hope you enjoy that and uh, check it out. And we will love to help build your site or application. So iAccessibility.net, check that out. So our main topic today is to talk about coding. You know, coding is something that a lot of folks really don't think that they could do because it sounds complicated. You're doing stuff with a computer that has always seemed to be intimidating. Am I right? Is that kind of how you guys have always viewed coding? Kind of. I think for the longest time, I remember kind of viewing coding like that. In fact, I remember viewing a computer entirely like that when I first started getting into them because I was so afraid I was going to break something after we were able to crash a couple semi-trucks through whatever barrier was making it impossible for me to grasp the most basic concepts behind just normal computer coding an app or something. But, I mean, I'm learning that's not quite the case. The thing about coding is it's just like any other thing you do on a computer. You're solving a problem, right? You are coming up with a solution to something that isn't there yet. You know, when we learn English, we learn syntax, we learn how to make things work a certain way. And, you know, even the app on the iPhone workflow is a, in a way, programming. Because you are connecting things together and telling the computer what you want done. Does that make sense? I guess it does. I I think what where it lies a weird thing for me is when I think of programming, I think of, you know, using programming syntax, programming language, actually building code, not just moving elements around and saying, okay, do these things. Because I feel like all I'm really doing is simply using a GUI inside of an app. Believe it or not, when you write code, you're basically doing the same thing with text. You're taking instructions that the computer already understands 
and you're connecting them together in a step-by-step -step process in code files. And you're just doing what you do with a workflow or other apps in a bigger scale. So when you write a program, you know, you're writing line by line, but you're using APIs and different calls that the computer can understand. For me, when I'm coding, I think it's fascinating to try and figure out, you know, how the computer speaks in, in a way, how I can make it do what I want it to do and turning something that's in my head, scary, into language that the computer then runs with is pretty incredible. And when I'm debugging, especially, you know, when I'm looking at a program and saying, okay, think like a computer, not like a human. What doesn't this thing get and why? I think it's really fascinating. Once you've done enough programming, you'll start to realize that there are concepts that are the same between programming languages. For example, believe it or not, guys, when you build a user interface between Windows, iOS, and Android, they all are based out of the same kind of file, XML. And then the programming code you work with it to you make to work with it is different, but the concepts are still the same. So once you get the universal concepts down, it's just like, you know, I know nothing about writing music or playing a song. To me, that's intimidating. But to a lot of you guys, that's second nature. And when you look at a computer program as the same, you know, coming up with structure, coming up with, okay, I need these screens uh, to do what they do. You know, go into your apps, look at messages, look at how many screens there are. And then when you build your program, you look at you don't just look at the whole program as a whole. You look at, okay, I'm going to build this. That will work with this. That will work with this. And then I put it all together to make the finished product. Talking about music composition and comparing it with programming is really interesting because, you know, you're right. Because when, when you're building from music, and I, I guess this is true when you're building from apps, if you're using some pre-existing frameworks like you can for music, it is kind of the same thing in some respects. I mean, there's... There's there's timing, there's arrangement, there's, um, you know, post-production, unless you just record and post it as is. And there, there really is a process that is, I guess you could say, layered when you're composing a song. At least it, it, that's true for me. Um, and I find that, and I find that when I'm composing, I try... Try to start with something that, whether that is a set of chords I'm playing on a piano that I may have pulled up, or maybe I'm using a software guitar and I'm playing something and that inspires me to create a piece. Maybe I'm playing on a set of drums, a drum kit that inspires me to create something, but you still have that initial base to build from. And uh, I... I, I would imagine it's the same when you're building apps. It is. So comparing these things, so for me, my last quarter uh, of the year was spent in a introductory coding class. And every time when we built an app, we started with the idea that the textbook gave us or that we came up with, and then we built the basic interface the buttons the list boxes the radio buttons whatever we needed 
we drop those on the screen. That's the backbone. That's the guitar riff or the 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 little piano part or the beat that gets the app going. And then the extra code that you write to manipulate those objects is the rest of the song. I guess the next thing to talk about is where to begin. And the one thing people think of is they think of the academic viewing of code. Like, oh, I need to learn C++. I need to learn Visual Basic. I need to learn these things because that's what people start with, right? It's not the case anymore. As a programmer, you can do so many things. And it's okay to not be good at all of them. I myself am a full-stack developer. I What that means is I can design an app interface and it's back uh it's a backbone architecture online and it's uh code however not everybody can do that and sometimes it's not practical for somebody to do all that it just takes up too much time and that's why they have teams somebody that does the interface design somebody that does the uh, the code in the app somebody that does the uh, you know the server architecture that's fine i urge people to learn as much as they can but you know, if Swift or Objective-C or Java is not your thing, you know, Python is an option for writing server-side frameworks and libraries and being a developer op, a DevOps. Those are all great careers. You're not writing apps that go in the App Store, but what you do is so relevant that it will get you anything. Uh, you know, the workforce is flooded with folks needing those jobs and uh, not everybody can fulfill that so the more you can do it's better but you know knowing where your strengths are i love anything in that area in coding but some folks don't understand how to make an app that some folks don't understand how the web works and some folks just think oh this is too intimidating too hard or too uh, difficult, like uh, building an app for a Ma uh, for the Mac or Windows, like building a word processor is no easy task. And, you know, it's knowing where to begin in your style of programming. Some folks like the easy free form uh, of Python. Some folks don't like it because of how it works with indentation. And some folks love it. Some folks love, love, love the absolute structure of Java, where everything is black or white. You say, this variable is a string and it can't be anything else. Whereas Swift in other languages will be like, eh, I think that's a string. You could tell me if it is or it isn't. I don't care. Or, you know, some folks like the nature of VB, which has been around forever. So, you know, it's, it's going out there, learning your style. And, uh, you know, learning what is best. You know, some folks decide to be HTML, CSS, and JavaScript programmers because it's on the web and you can make things look exactly how you want and test it quickly. You don't need anybody's help or to pay anything. You just go and test it on your own computer. Uh, so it's it, there's so many areas that people could get into. And some folks, you know, they're like, I just want to write an app. Well, why? I don't know. I just want to write an app. What is the problem that you're trying to solve with your app? I don't know. I was just told that I should learn to make an app. Well, let's look at it. 
what do you need what are you trying to make and the sky's the limit but at the same time you have to know what interests you what fascinates you about the computer and don't just settle for one area go and look up you know the differences between programming languages operating systems and all these things so what are y'all's thoughts on this well, we're talking about starting out in code. Michael, do you remember a conversation that you had with me a while ago about code? And I still kind of feel this way to an extent, but not as much as I once did when I was like, oh, I'm never going to be able to code. I'm never going to be able to figure this out. I'm never going to be able to build anything. And you pointed out to me, I already had, to a degree, terminal. One of the things I want to be able to do is become more knowledgeable um, with the terminal and what terminal allows you to do. And, you know, that that's what you told me. You were like, you already have coded something. Right. I don't remember what it was. I think I was just modifying a, um, a voiceover script or something. But, you know, Apple script is coding. Writing bash shell scripts is coding. Writing anything to get the computer to do what you tell it to do is coding. You know, you don't have to go and learn assembly. If you do, then you are brave and are willing to go to depths of computer coding that I am not willing to go. <laughs> but that's why it is so vast. Because there are people that love assembly. And that, folks, is writing directly to the computer. Almost talking to the processor. And... It is powerful. You could do anything with it, but you have to know what you're doing. It's not English language, but it's more like talking to the machine. But again, it's what are you willing to learn? Let's talk about uh, some languages. What are some programming languages that y'all have heard of? German, English, Dutch, French. No, I'm kidding. Python, Swift, um, obviously you know, Java, when you had already mentioned Java earlier. Visual Basic. Yep. Are C plus and C sharp different languages? C++ or are they plus the same and C sharp. They're yes. two different variants. PHP? PHP. Or is that yep. Morris? HTML. Yep. SQL, also known as SQL. Bonus points. What's that stand for? I know what it stands for. Mike is getting them. I don't actually remember what it stands for. Structured query language. Yep. And that's another area that people get into that they love and I I can't wrap my head around is being a data architect and that is creating databases and being the most efficient at modeling data in those databases through SQL. Let's talk about what these languages are. You know, we've talked about SQL and let's talk about HTML. That is the language we use to build our websites and some folks don't call it a programming language. I've beg to differ because you're still giving instructions it's a markup language and so it's very similar to what you know you would be doing with microsoft word but there are a lot of programs to make it to where you can just type your text and it will model the html based on your formatting to make good web applications though you need css con uh, cascading style sheets and java and uh, javascript java and javascript are not the same things but you know, they have so many ways with like jQuery and others to, to make this so simple to do that making a good web application is fairly easy these days. Let's talk about Swift. Everybody's heard of Swift, right? Apple's programming language of the future. 
they open sourced it and it's how you build apps for iPhone and iPad and Mac and now for other platforms as well. So it's a good language. It has its issues, but it is really a good language. C++ is up there as well. Very structured, very similar to Java and C Sharp is there as well. Those are all C style languages. So you have to have very strict syntax, like semicolons at the end of lines. And it can be difficult if you don't know uh, where that was. So if you're looking for an easy way to get into coding, C Sharp, C++, and Java may not be the best place to start. Visual Basic is a good place if you're in Windows. And believe it or not, I believe they have Visual Basic uh, for Visual Studio on the Mac now. So you could do things there. Then we have Python and all the scripting languages like Ruby, PHP, and all these others that are used a lot for websites, like the back end of websites. People will build servers, chat servers, and all kinds of stuff on these. And PHP is used for WordPress and a lot of other things that you're used to. Uh, Microsoft has their variant called ASP Active Server Pages, which is based on Visual Basic and C++. But uh, again... All these words we're throwing out, you know, it's good to research. Do you guys think that building an app in Swift or Java is the only way to do it? I don't, but I was trying to think of an alternative method. There are alternatives. Microsoft has one called Xamarin that lets you build cross-platform applications. And they are recognized now for doing that. You just need a Mac to compile for iOS. And you could use these tools to build apps all at once for Windows, Mac, and uh, iOS, and Android. The, and there's others out there that do this, but this is becoming more and more popular. Because if you could just build one application, then you don't have to go out there and build three applications. The other thing that's becoming very popular is a thing called progressive web applications. This eliminates the need to have an app on somebody's device, and Google Chrome uses them for all kinds of uh, things. Based on what you guys have heard, what interests you the most about uh, if you were to... Uh, I know, Aliyah, you're looking more into getting into coding, but you and Jason, I'm curious what area interests you guys the most? App development or server development or uh, web development or... Just, uh, and, and you know, another one out there is maker projects like build getting an Arduino or a Raspberry Pi and programming robotic arms and different things like that. So, what areas of code interest you guys the most? The one thing that I can say for sure is like database development and stuff would definitely have to be on the bottom of my list. <laughs> as far as where, and that's, and I'm not saying that against anybody who finds that to be interesting, it is just not my cup of tea. Regarding web development eh, i'm not sure i do think maker projects are really really cool app development would be uh definitely something i would be interested in so I, i'm not really sure if i can say one of them interests me more than the other at this point i like the idea of solving a problem with an app but also in my limited playing with microsoft access i kind of like using a query to to access databases and and pull information like that it's kind of neat to construct the query and make it do what you want you know one of the things you may want to do 
And I just thought about this when you said it. I know I remember you saying a while back that you enjoyed doing that with Access. What you might want to do, and for those of you guys that are into databases and want an accessible way to work with databases, I highly suggest downloading SQL Server uh, 2018. It's one of the the latest version of SQL Server, but it's called the Express or Community Edition. This is a free version of SQL uh, Server, and there's also a program called SSMS, SQL Server Management Studio, where you can run queries, make databases, you know, there's create, update, insert, and drop, where you can, uh, those are the four main types of uh, queries. I thought there was one more, but uh, where you create these queries and you can run data searches and, you know, oh, and select. How can I forget select? Uh, or you can pull data, add data, remove data, all from queries. So if you are interested in that kind of thing, then SQL Server is probably the best way to get used to that because that's what the industry you know, on the Microsoft side uses. And then, you know, if you have a Linux server or Linux command line, use MySQL and you can run that all from the command line as well. Mine continues to be apps. Um, I'm actually kind of interested in a project to build my own Linux distribution, which is a form of, you know, you have to do a lot of programming to do that. So I'm going to be looking into doing that at some point. But it's uh, very interesting you know, how to do all of these things. I've been interested in Linux for a while now, for several years, but mostly on the consumer user end. I like my graphical interfaces. I, I want to see how much I can do with the OS, and if I eventually get familiar enough with it to want to learn how to code something, awesome. Um, but uh, I don't know that I'm quite ready for that. I mean, I know that there are people who will use Linux and strip out the graphical parts and just use the command line. I know I'm not ready for that yet. I can tell you that right now. And what a lot of folks do is they will use uh, shell scripts to automate a lot of stuff on the command line. The last topic I want to talk about is how to edit your code and how to write code. You know, there's so many ways to edit code and there are some programmers out there that go hardcore and they use notepad or they use emacs or nano on linux and i give total respect to you guys that do that i can't do that so i like a good integrated developer environment like visual studio or xcode but not all of these are created equal as far as accessibility like visual studio is really good uh, android studio has certain issues on different platforms and xcode works really well if you're not using interface builder but it's really important to find the environment that's best for you and you know there's eclipse for java which is immense and there's several several others out there so it's important to research which one's going to work best for you as a windows user writing a web page i'll use uh, notepad plus plus great program and it's just really important to find the program that is accessible for what you're doing and that works best for what you're trying to make. Aliyah, you've used Visual Studio and Xcode, right? Correct. And unfortunately, Apple, I like Visual Studio better because Visual Studio gives me more feedback. It reads line numbers. It does things. Now, I did have to use an NVDA script to make it report the coordinates of my objects. But 
Uh, other than that, it's extremely accessible. It really does work well. But at least you have the ability to do that. Uh, whereas in Xcode, you cannot find out where your objects are unless you go to the inspector and read where the coordinates are. And also, Aaliyah, you've used Notepad++, right? Correct. And I think all three of us have used Swift Playgrounds. Have you messed with that, Jason? I have, but I've kind of ended up letting that kind of fall by the wayside a little bit. But when I, re when I was messing with it, oh my gosh, it was so fun. And it's interesting that you talk about HTML and Notepad. When I first learned the HTML that I have definitely forgotten, uh, I learned in Notepad. In fact, I built my first web page, which was a very simple web page in Notepad. See, one of the things that you, you will find in programming is you will actually embed web pages in other programming languages. Uh, so an app I'm building right now, I actually have it build a web page and it inserts variables from that programming language into that web page, which is then put into a browser. So the stuff you can do will just really be amazing when you think about, you know, where you start and where you get to. And the feeling of your program coming to life on that computer makes all of it worth it. Seeing your creations work. You know, in music, like we talked about earlier, you get to hear your song, and that's amazing. It's the same feeling when you build a program, you see people use it and benefit from it. For example, VO Starter is an app made by me for eye accessibility. In 26 weeks, we have had 13,000 downloads. That's pretty incredible to think that so many people are using something I created and are benefiting from it. That, to me, is why I do what I do. I think I kind of feel that way about the Acast, I, Acast and iCast themes because, you know, every person that downloads those shows or streams those shows or listens to them, however they listen to those shows, is listening to something that I created. So I completely understand that. And one of the things I find that I do when I create something is when I don't have to worry about all the little details and intricacies that I, I, I want in my pieces when I can, when I can just sit there and listen to it as a whole, it's amazing. And I am not ashamed to say that I have played something I have created over and over and over and over again, marveling about how it has gone from a simple idea to me grumbling mentally about how much detail I want to put in losing sight of the goal and then reaching that goal and experiencing it all together is just it's 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 amazing and I don't always lose sight of the goal but on some of the more complicated pieces I have and uh, it's just so cool to see it all together as a, as a as a finished piece and you know that's the thing programming can look intimidating sometimes even I'm like man I don't want to work on that today I've got so much to do on that project but then I sit down and I start to see stuff come together. And the best way, guys, to get into coding is to say, uh, is to think about what your phone or your computer or your website can do and say, what do I want it to do and what can it do now? What do I need to do to make it do what I want it to do? And start working on getting there. Do you guys have any final comments before we wrap up today? Other than to say that it's really interesting because I, I knew that coding and 
composing weren't really all that different as far as the ideals are concerned, but after being on this episode, realizing just how true that really is, a good kind of crazy to me. Well, Leah, do you have any final comments? I am inspired to go play with Swift Playgrounds once we're done. You know, the thing with Swift Playgrounds that I want to say is it's great to play with the games. It's really amazing, those games. But the it turns out one of the biggest things that it can do is you can actually make iPhone user interfaces in Swift Playgrounds that will work with voiceover. The Xcode variant does not seem to work, but iOS, you can do it, and you can build playgrounds with navigation controllers, with buttons and labels. So believe it or not, you could do more than just the games, and you can really do some cool... You may not be able to build an app, but you can build an interface and see how you want it to look on the iPad and then take that and do similar things on Xcode in a real app. So powerful tool. Xcode on iPad. Apple, please make it happen. Yes, we we want there to be Xcode on iPad. Honestly, it would be amazing to compile code on the iPad. That's going to do it for this episode of the show. So as usual, uh, for our wrap-up, Aliyah, what is your pick of the week, and where can people find you online? My pick of the week is the iPhone 10 currently chilling out in my hand. I got a silver 64 gig iPhone 10 after my 7 Plus had an unexpected retirement last week, and I really am loving it. I think it's the way Apple's going. I don't miss my home button. It took a couple of days for me to get used to it, but now that I am... Is just as second nature as my 7 Plus. And I really think it's it's really powerful. It's really fast. It's very, very capable of, you know, anything I ask of it or throw at it, really. It's even faster than my iPad Pro. So, yes, folks, iPhone 10, definitely the pick for this week. You can find me producing content for iAccessibility. You can email me at Aaliyah, that's A-L-E-E-H-A, at iAccessibility.net. And you can follow me on Twitter at BlindCowGirl199. Jason, what is your pick for the week, and where can people find you? My pick for the week is going to be the operating system running on Aaliyah's lovely new iPhone ten. And that would be iOS 12. I think iOS 12, while it doesn't have a lot of the new features Apple may have planned for it uh, initially, is a really, really nice upgrade from iOS 11. And I'm perfectly happy with the fact that it doesn't have a lot of new features. Now, there are definitely new features that iOS 12 is going to bring, and a lot of that was not announced at WWDC. But, you know, I think that given the speed improvements and the focus on bug fixes, it's just, it's nice. I mean, I didn't realize how much slower iOS 11 versions were until I started playing with iOS 12 on my phone, which I, you know, I already felt was fast. And now it feels even faster. Yeah, iOS 12 is definitely my pick for the week. People can find me producing content and outtakes for iAccessibility. You can email me at jason at iAccessibility.net. You can search for me on Twitter at JDE, that is Juliet Delta Echo 91. 
You can also search for me on Facebook. Just search for Jason Earls. My pick of the week is a program I've been using a lot lately called, and we talked about it during the show, called Android Studio. Android Studio is Google's way to build Android apps for their platform, and it's a free IDE, and it is Java itself, so it's accessible on certain platforms. I don't remember exactly which one is the best to use it on, but it lets you build apps using Java, and you can build your apps in design view for your interfaces or through text. So it's a very easy way compared to Eclipse to build your Android apps. So I highly recommend that one. So you could find me producing content for iAccessibility. You could find me on Twitter. Just search for Mike Doeys. I am Michael Doeys on Facebook. You can email me at mikedoeys at iAccessibility.net. That's M-I-K-E. D-O-I-S-E at iAccessibility.net. And you can also go to my webpage at michaeldoeys.com. I will be posting stuff there pretty soon from NFB and about all kinds of gaming stuff. Now that I think E3 is over, there's some cool stuff that I'm excited about, so I'll be posting that there. To find iAccessibility, you can at iAccessibility.net. We are iAccessibility1 on Twitter. If you want to find us on Facebook, just search for iAccessibility. And you can also find our content in our nice new shiny app. Just search for iAccessibility on the App Store. We have a Tumblr page. Just look for iAccessibility YouTube channel, and we're all over the place. So just look around for us. If you want to help support iAccessibility, you can at patreon.com slash iacast. And any amount helps. One dollar can help us stay on the air and keep shows coming to you so please head to patreon.com slash iacast and become a patron there is all kinds of great rewards and benefits for becoming a patron as in our outtakes and you'll even get if you pay five dollars a month you'll get our full episodes and our uh, ia unplugged show so we have that and other premium content that may come your way. Also, we'd like to make an announcement that we are going to be giving away a raffle at NFB 18. So we're going to have several meet and greets. We'll put those on the Twitter and our page and Facebook and anywhere we can announce this. So we will be giving away a Google Home Mini to those of you who go to our meet and greets and learn about iAccessibility. So stay tuned for information on that at convention. If you want to leave us feedback, you can at feedback at iAccessibility.net. And you could also use our hashtag on Twitter. Just use IACast. So we really appreciate you guys listening to the show. We appreciate the folks on the stream. Thank you so much for being here. And thanks to Jason and Aaliyah for being on the show. So that will do it for this week's episode of the IA Cast. We'll be back next week for an episode right before we head to NFB. So we will be busy and may not be a long one, but we'll be here. So thank you guys for being here and uh, have a great day. Bye, everyone. Bye, guys. Bye, guys. Copyright 2018, iAccessibility, and Michael Doeys.